Hi, I'm Graham Trigg and welcome back to the Hempson's Health and Social Care Law Podcast. Today I have with me Sergeant Dove from our regulatory and crime team here in London. We're going to be talking about the criminal justice process and interviewing suspects during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi Serge, how are you today? Well, um, I'm well as we can be under these circumstances, um, Graham, and uh, um, I was thinking about this. It's now coming up to nearly two months from this process of working at home. Um, I would like to start off by saying I hope everyone listening into this podcast is well and safe. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, all, all, you know, so many of our clients doing incredible work and putting themselves on the line day after day. And uh, meanwhile, we, we sit, at, sit, sit here at home in our, um, in, in our home offices uh, doing what we can, which is it's all slightly surreal, isn't it? But anyway, just to set the scene for today, um, criminal justice process, interviewing suspects, um, we can all appreciate that the COVID-19 outbreaks presented an incredible challenge for the criminal justice system in England and Wales. Um, so, as and, you know, as I've just intimated, since lockdown on 23rd of March, we, we've been ordered to stay at home or stay alert at least uh, most recently and only travel to and from work where this is absolutely necessary and, you know, where you can't work from home, which is all great, clear for us uh, working for a law firm. Where does that leave the, the, the criminal justice system in, in, in its widest sense, however? Well, that, that, Graham, that's a very interesting question. And um, as we all settled into our home working lives some two months ago, um, court hearings, tribunal hearings were all placed on hold. Um, but the question did still remain in regard to police interviewing suspects or whether this process, I thought, would that be placed on hold as well until we return to some form of normality? Well, um, some two months on now and the return to pre 23rd of March, the lockdown period, I would say, is many more months away. And as such, very early on, um, the Crown Prosecution Service and the National Police Chiefs Council um, had settled on a coronavirus interview protocol, believe it or not. Um, the guidance is intended to assist investigators and prosecutors in deciding whether suspects should be interviewed as part of a police investigation during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, the protocol itself was first published on 1st of April and is reviewed monthly. Um, it is intended for use only during the coronavirus crisis. Well, mm -hmm. that in itself throws up a further question. Sure. I mean, when does the protocol itself, Graham, um, come to an end? Uh, uh, my view on this personally is that I think not before October, November this year, we'll mm -hmm. be looking at anything but some form of normality. Even then, it's open to question and review. Understandably, the spread of COVID-19 and its effect on the numbers of police officers, prosecutors and defence solicitors available for work has required careful consideration of what new offences are brought into the system and how these offences are investigated by police, progress through the criminal justice system. I mean, that, that has to be a starting point um, in anyone looking at this. Absolutely, absolutely. So maybe... Uh... We, we, we've been here so long already. Maybe we should first look back and remind ourselves of the position in regard to police interviews prior to lockdown uh, and, and we can then compare. 
Yes, I, I think that, that is helpful just to remind ourselves um, in this new world what the world was about before um, COVID-19. Well, ordinarily um, in the work we undertake at Hemsons, insofar as advising suspects um, for police interviews, we would often have some form of liaison well before the interview with the police in regard to arranging a date and time. Um, however, there are cases and situations where we are called upon to attend the police station um, as um, the suspect has been arrested on the very day. Um, um, often when we arrive at the police station, whether this is by prior agreement or on the very day the suspect is arrested, we would be provided with a pre-interview disclosure document. I mean, this is a document setting out brief um, um, facts of the alleged um, allegations against the suspect. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, upon receiving this um, disclosure document, um, we would have an opportunity to discuss matters with our client. Um, and I can say this takes as long as it takes, and yeah. um, but with no fear factor as to the room we're in. Um, we may be critical of the size of the room and let's say the, the surroundings and, 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 and uh, other matters, but all in all, it allows us to deal with the very matter in hand. And we have to remember, I mean, this is an extremely difficult time yeah. for the suspect yeah. and, uh, and so, so that, whether it's now or pre-COVID-19, is something which we do need to bear in mind. Uh, I, I say it is important to understand how one would normally progress with this situation. And um, we are now querying whether the position pre-COVID-19 can be achieved with the question of everyone's safety in mind. Because it has to be um, the key word that comes to mind, the safety aspect. Um, as I've said, an interview is generally a reasonable line of inquiry because without it, the client does not have a proper opportunity to provide a full account. Um, so this is their opportunity. And that's yeah. what the position was pre-COVID-19. Uh -huh. So what are the, the arrangements that have been put in place for police interviews since the lockdown came in? Can, can you explain how, how that is to work? Well, in short, um, solicitors should not be required to attend police stations and suspects should only be detained and interviewed in the most serious of cases. I mean, th th that is, let's say, the outlier. Simply, that's the position. Um, I mean, I mentioned earlier, an interview is generally a reasonable line of inquiry um, because it allows the suspect an opportunity to provide their account and, and that could, in essence, be the end of the matter. Yeah. However, for public health reasons, interviews may need to be postponed or even dispensed with, I say. Um, if there is a genuine and pressing need for an interview with all parties present, it must be carried out in accordance with the government advice on social distancing. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it does raise this question again about the setting in a police um, interview room in the custody suite area. It is important and I, uh, for our listeners to understand that if a solicitor is required to attend a police station to assist a suspect for the interview and the conditions at the station are unsafe, one may question that requiring such attendance could constitute a breach of Article 2 of the Convention of Human Rights and could mm. be a breach of duty of care of public service, yeah. both to those using the service, I mean, including the suspect, 
and in respect of those working within it, um, the officers. So it, it, it's about providing safe working conditions. Uh, I mean, look, we're all aware that the police have their own guidance about yeah. steps they should take to ensure the health and safety of not only the officers, but suspects, witnesses, and any legal representative attending um, the station. The, um, the police have a duty to ensure that all reasonable practical steps um, are taken to protect visitors in the custody suite area. And, um, and as such, um, that they should provide PPE um, equipment where appropriate. Well, in principle, yes, that's what's required. In reality, query whether that one is happening or could possibly happen, given um, the difficulty we've had with the equipment PPE um, with our frontline healthcare workers. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the obvious question that, that springs to mind is, you know, with, with so many people working remotely, indeed, we're recording this podcast remotely, that couldn't police interviews go the same way? Well, simply the answer is yes, they could take place remotely, but inevitably there will be concerns about remote interviews taking place when the solicitor has only had an opportunity to advise the suspect remotely and then join the interview through some form of visual platform or by telephone for that matter. Um, I mean, this is a very difficult process for the client as I went back earlier, even pre-COVID-19. Um, so so um, now um, uh, to be dealing with these matters where the solicitor is advising the client remotely, um, I, I mean, must and is a very, very difficult situation there will be no ability to see how even the interview is being conducted if the interview progresses. In simple terms, Graham, the point with remote interviews, the concern I have is that as much as you are there to provide advice to your clients, you're also there to support them. And as such, there is no substitute to face-to-face -face meeting and, and you there in the interview room with your client. Um, if it, as I go back to this point, if it has to be done, well, then we need to consider that. Um, but there can be no substitute for it. Okay, so you're not saying that remote interviews are out of the question as such? Well, no, not necessarily, but it's important to understand that the coronavirus crisis involves the application of the Police and Criminal Act. I mean, PACE. Um, as you may be familiar with, and in particular, Code C of PACE, which deals with the detention, treatment and questioning of persons by police officers. In the circumstances which are unlikely to have previously been anticipated by the protocol that came into force on the 1st of April, um, one must accept that remote interviews by video and audio um, are not within the current letter of code of practice. No. But um, in the present circumstances of the coronavirus pandemic, they are within the spirit, um, one may argue, of the recent amendments to the Criminal Procedure, Law and Evidence in Coronavirus Act um, 2020. Therefore, a remote interview is still a police interview and the PACE codes apply. So it's very important that um, you have in mind that um, if you need more time with your client or information from the police um, 
or, or in simple reasons, the telephone line or the visual contact with your client is not clear, it is, it is fundamental that this is clarified prior to any interview taking place as it would be the case if you were there in attendance, if you felt for any reason um, there is a problem with you commencing any form of interview given the information you received or the surroundings, you would be raising this. Well, it's more focused on any remote interview, whether that is all in place. And if you feel for any reason that um, an interview conducted or to be conducted remotely uh, is not going to achieve effective participation from you, then you need to make representation immediately um, to the officers um, about the unfair process of this. It needs mm -hmm. to be documented, whether it's at the outset of any, any interview, and then query whether your client does um, volunteer any response to the questions raised. Mm -hmm. um, um, you need to be absolutely clear in your mind that any interview taking place remotely should only take place in the first instance where it is absolutely necessary at this stage and cannot wait. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one option in dealing with interviews and in particular with the majority of the clients we assist, um, that you can provide a pre-prepared um, um, witness statement. Um, for example, um, Graham, I'm, I'm dealing with a case now where um, we have requested um, from the police um, detailed um, pre-interview disclosure um, with the view that we can provide a witness statement in response. Yeah. Um, well, a number of points do arise from that. I mean, one would normally expect to receive detailed pre-interview disclosure, not only now because of COVID-19, but the reality is pre-COVID-19, I should say what we tend to receive when we go along to a police interview is, let's say, a brief outline. Um, even now, um, upon receiving the disclosure document um, from the police, um, it is still a matter for the client following your advice on whether to serve a witness statement uh, and the detail which is set out in that statement. Um, so, so again, th that is another option available to you um, in assisting why the interview does need to take place face-to-face -face in a station and can take place um, with your client not in attendance but you having some liaison with the police and providing a statement, a response in essence to um, the concerns they're raising against your client. Okay, well I can see how that would work and I can see how that deals with all the concerns and dangers that you've outlined. But I guess from the police side of things, that process removes from the equation that opportunity to draw inferences if, if a sus suspect declines to answer a question. And silences like this are often held against the suspect, aren't they? Uh, well, <laughs> forgive me, Graham. I think what I understand you're referring to is the reference that inferences may be drawn at court um, in cases yes. where a suspect is okay. silent. Um, yeah, um, when questioned normally under uh, a, a caution um, prior to charge, and then subsequently intends to rely upon um, a relevant fact at court, which um, they could have stated um, during the interview. Um, well, with regard to an interview at a police station, this may well become an issue. I, I, I follow that. Um, as I've said earlier, Graham, um, an interview is generally a reasonable line of inquiry. And uh, for the prosecutor, it can be argued if the suspect is charged that the opportunity to draw adverse inferences from silence is lost if no interview um, um, takes place. Well, 
what I would say to that, each case will turn on its own facts, but there is a strong argument in these exceptional circumstances and unprecedented times um, that it may be our advice um, uh, to the client that they do not um, agree to be interviewed, um, it, it, particularly in regard to remote um, interviews taking yeah. place. Um, I mean, with COVID-19, if a suspect refuses to be interviewed, I mean, it does not follow that adverse inferences will necessarily be drawn. Um, these are not normal circumstances. No. Um, there are genuine concerns over spreading COVID-19 even now, some two months on, yeah. which I believe these are powerful reasons as to why submissions can be made to a judge that the jury um, should be directed that no adverse inferences can, um, are drawn from the suspect's silence um, given the whole um, nature of the present situation. It does need to be looked upon in the round and now where we are, not where we were pre-COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, look, these are factors, I mean, in regard to the health of the suspect at the time of the interview and their family members. I mean, these will be, need to be considered as to why they're not um, uh, uh, responding to any questions being raised. Um, further, the situation at the police station in the interview room in regard to social distancing will need to be taken into account if, and I say, if the suspect um, feels and with your guidance that it is not a safe environment for them. And that is the reason they decide not to respond to questions being put to them or even attend the interview. And it is then taken to be that that by way of silence should be held against them. Well, there are arguments I would say to be made on behalf of the defence insofar as any direction to the jury may be made by judge in due course about um, silence during the interview as it would ordinarily be the case pre-COVID-19. I mean, th th that's where I would be on the point of right of silence. Yeah. That, that, do you think that then reaches a fair balance overall across the process, given the inherent dangers and difficulties that, that you've already outlined? Well, Graham, I mean, it should be remembered that the current protocol in place recognises that for public health reasons, interviews may need to be postponed or even dispensed with. I mean, that's the starting point. What I would say, if the difficulty is that a face-to-face -face interview cannot take place for any reason, and then you're left with the secondary aspect, and that is a remote interview where the suspect is at the station, but legal representative um, providing advice remotely. Well, again, I have concerns with that. And my advice to anyone out there would be be absolutely clear that you are in a position to provide advice to your client to progress with the interview. Because as I mentioned earlier, it is an interview under code C of PACE and that's how it will be considered. Um, and it will be too late to then make representation at a later stage on um, the process. It was unfair to your client for any reason. You could not um, clearly see what was happening or the line was not clear to advise or listen in. Um, those are the points you need to be clear on from the outset. I go back to this point in this current climate, um, what we are left with is this um, process that 
A disclosure document setting out the concerns in detail can be provided. You then have an opportunity to speak to your client about the allegations raised. And as you see fit, um, a written statement can be provided in response. If then further questions arise from that um, by the police officer, then, then again, those can, if possible, be addressed through a further supplementary statement. Yeah. That, I think, will um, not only help matters insofar as the starting point, and that is everyone's safety yeah. in mind, but it was all also do away with these issues of concerns um, in advising clients remotely. Um, so, so I, I think it needs to be looked upon in a stage by stage process. As I said earlier, largely, I mean, the clients which we assist with um, at Hemsons, um, there would be prior liaison with the officers and arrangements. Um, let's just hope that can continue. And, um, and, and if it's absolutely necessary, then each case will be looked upon on its own merits. And if we need to attend, then, then yes we will attend um, so long as um, everyone's safety, as I said, is um, in mind. Okay, thanks, Serge. Clearly, it's a tricky balance to achieve, and it'll be interesting to see how the arrangements develop given the likelihood of the need for social distancing measures for quite some time into the future. That's, that's all we've got time for today on this podcast, but perhaps this is something we can return to in the future if and when changes are made. And if anyone listening needs more information or specific advice from Serge, his contact details are available on our website, www.hempsons.co.uk. And also, please don't forget to like, subscribe to, and share our podcast, or even better, write a review on your podcast app. So that just leaves me to say thanks very much, Serge, and to everyone listening. And we'll see you all again very soon. Bye.